Lunch with Pippa Hudson. And now, Consumer Talk featuring Wendy Nola. Wendy is with us in studio and we're going to be asking why on earth the Department of Home Affairs would want to digitally trim or rather straighten somebody's hair in their ID photograph. We're also going to update you on two recent cases and then I think we'll hopefully have some time for open line calls today as well. So if you are wanting to ask a question, you can either send your voice note now to 0725671567, voice note or text, or you can call us on 0214460567. Welcome back, Wendy. Thanks, Pippa. Good to be here. Before we get to the photos, there are two car-related comments and questions that have just come in. And seeing as we're just out of car talk, let's start there and then okay. move on. The first one's just a comment that's giving me a bit of a giggle. Uh, Lorna is saying um, she's been having an issue with her car and she sent a question to you and you oh, asked gosh. for additional... No, don't worry. She said you asked for additional info and before you had even got working on the case for her, she says, I messaged the sales manager involved and mentioned that I'd emailed <laughs> Wendy Nola. Lorna says within a few seconds he phoned me back and has taken the car in to be looked at just the power of wendy's name oh, thank you i get a lot of those and it is gratifying <laughs> um because you know i get to hopefully um what's the word get things moving without yes. actually doing having anything. to get involved yes, yes. just just so saying that it's been reported to you is enough to get motion so lorna i really hope that they sort it out for you now thank you not so nice is the message from nikki but it's a very interesting question she raises mm-hmm. she says um is there a legal time in which a vehicle manufacturer needs to repair a vehicle that is still under manufacturer's warranty? Our vehicle has been in for repairs for one year, and I don't know what to do. That seems extraordinary. It does seem extraordinary. This is ringing a bit of a bell. I've got a case um, that uh, in just that I saw today or yesterday. Yep. Um, where a vehicle had been in for a year. It might be the same case, and apologies for not getting to it uh, yet. The horrible short answer is no, there's nothing stipulated. Even for the um, six-month Consumer Protection Act warranty that does apply to cars as well, um, the, it, the, the Act doesn't say, and the repairs must be effected within such and such a time, time frame. frame. I think yeah. because the legislators were taking into account the fact that delays and parts, etc., are often beyond the, the supplier's control. And then with the manufacturer's warranty, same thing. I've read a lot of uh, warranties on various cars, and I've yet to see one which in which they undertake to do the repair within a certain time frame. And that's understandable when you think that even the Golden Consumer Protection Act Section 56 um, warranty of six yeah. months doesn't um, doesn't pin them down to a certain time. I do know, and I'm getting um, a lot of reports from um, concerning all, all sorts of brands, that this whole supply chain thing that was brought upon by the war in Ukraine um, has led and I think we've discussed it in several shows Pippa yeah. where, where the, we've had we've seen these a uh, very long um debilitating delays in parts coming from abroad yeah. it's showing up in certainly every week I hear from somebody who um, was in, a, in an accident with their vehicle um took advantage of the 30-day the car hire um thing that they have in their insurance policies free car hire for 30 days which used to be fine and it's just not fine it's in not most cases enough. anymore yeah. and then leaves them out of pocket and sometimes the insurance companies um give them a luck in inverted commas and extend it for another month and if it's still the case that they don't have their car back from the workshop, then, you know. Sorry for you. Sorry for yeah. you. And so I have given the advice that some, I think Discovery is one of them, where you can get a much longer, you pay a bit more for it, but you can get a much longer uh, free car hire. 
Um, and depending on what make of car you've got, you might want to make inquiries about, um, you know, the amount of time it's taking for parts to be um, acquired from overseas. And I suppose it depends on the part as well. But it might be an option for you to just ask your insurer. I asked mine and they said, we we, we don't offer a longer period. But I said, I'm prepared to pay for it, obviously, yes. with my premium every month. No, we don't do that. But we do respond on a case-to-case basis, which leads you not knowing whether you're going you to be yeah. paying for alternative transport or not in the event that your car's in a a smash. Okay, thanks for that. Nikki, probably not the answer you were hoping for, but at least you know where you stand. Thank you so much. Okay, so you can do what Nikki did and send a WhatsApp to 0725671567. You can also call us on 0214460567 or tweet us at Cape Talk and at PJC Hudson. All right, what we really wanted to talk about first today, though. (laughs) Look, Wendy, nobody expects to look good in their ID photograph. It is kind of a rite of passage to have to walk around with a dodgy picture that people laugh at. That's that's part and parcel of the deal. But a bad photo is one thing. A photo that has been deliberately altered is quite another. And I take this case quite personally because I fall into the category of those who might be affected (laughs) by it, I believe. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Well, so the question of the day then is what exactly does the Department of Home Affairs have against curly hair. A woman who recently collected her passport was horrified to see that in her photo her hair had been digitally straightened as if she had actually taken a flat iron to her curls. When she shared her experience on a Facebook group at the weekend, many others said the same thing happened to them. Um, Which left, you know, so many questions for me. Um, Mainly, surely... Nobody should be digitally manipulating official identity photos. That just seems inherently verboten as far as I'm Mm. concerned. And what impact then does this practice have on biometric identity verification? And of course, the other factor is that how very dare they? You don't want to be looking at yourself uh, as if you're wearing a bonnet or I mean, it's just as someone has, you know, one of those those games you play online where you Given you an avatar. Swap yes. this, swap, exactly. Um, so, okay. So just a little bit of background here. As Wendy mentioned, this, the story cropped up on the weekend on Facebook. And I just want to acknowledge the source was the Village Platform, which, as you know, is one of my favorite Facebook groups. It's got more than 52,000 members now. So you get a good, pretty good sense of response there of whether things are anomalies or are a larger problem in that. And that is really what happened, that one person shared her story over the weekend saying, hey, I went to go and get my new passport and when I picked it up, my naturally curly hair had been digitally straightened. And you might have read that and thought, gosh, how odd, I wonder what happened. But what then happened is that dozens of people responded saying, yep, same thing happened to me or same thing happened to a member of my family. And then one or two of them actually reached out independently, both to Wendy and to myself saying, Please, will you look into this? So, I mean, Wendy, uh, as you said, um, you know, it's it's there's the sort of the, the level of personal insult of how dare you change the way I look, Willie Nitty. But it's 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 more than that. It is more than that, and uh, I mean, it, just in chatting about this among friends and and um, engaging with a few people about it, it's it's one thing. You know, you can understand if someone has got really large expense of of hair that it might you know the the photograph especially passport photographs there's a very very specific um uh composition that needs to be 
to be met. So yes. so you would have to then, you know, I can understand cropping out some of the hair, which is not ideal, but you need to see the face, the facial features, which is the main way that you are biometrically verified, yeah. needs to occupy a certain percentage of the frame. And we get that. I still don't understand why that requires um, the, uh, the the curls to be straightened, the, the, the bonnet, style. the yeah. bonnet approach, or the swimming swimming cap <laughs> <laughs> effect. So, um, yeah, some of the commentators under the post said the changes were more than just tidying up. One had a son whose curly long hair was turned into a straight shoulder length bob. Another saw her son's afro cut off into a flat top. I mean, it it really is. Ridiculous. It is. And look, Anne, who contacted me, actually sent us her photographs and she's given us permission to share them. We are going to tweet them at Cape Talk. We've blacked out, uh, she's blanked out her face, but you can see what we're talking about um, in these this comparison. And what was interesting is Anne did her ID and passport at the same this time. Was so so these were identical photographs that were submitted at the same branch at the same time. And when you look at the ID that came back, they left her short, very curly hair as, as it is. was. The passport, that hair has been very crudely digitally trimmed so that it looks dead straight. It looks like she's just got a single little curly lock in the middle of her forehead and everything else is straight. So as I said, we're tweeting those photos with Anne's permission. And and she told us they were taken digitally at a bank uh, home affairs branch. She was shown the photograph and said, do you approve? She said, yes, it did not look like what came back on her and, passport. And it's so interesting that she, I love her example because it was the same photograph. She applied Submitted for both for on both. the same day at yeah. her bank. And the one came back as it was because they ask you to approve it. Yes. So they don't say, okay, can you approve this one? This is for your ID smart card. And this is what we're going to be now doing to your for the passport. passport. I yeah. suppose if they did that, everybody would say, with curly hair, would say, are you crazy? No. I don't so, approve that. I mean, she obviously, she, she, she assumed it was an anomaly and she, she sort of didn't like what they'd done. But I mean, you know what it takes to get an appointment and go through a passport application. Who in their right mind is going to say, I'm going to do it again just to make sure the photo is better? You're not. You're going to leave it and walk away. But then, of course, she realized over the weekend when she saw all these comments on Facebook that it wasn't an anomaly. In fact, this is happening to quite a few people. Wendy, one of the people suggested that it might be linked to what you've just raised attention to, the way biometric machines and the systems are set up because certain facial features have got to be centered. The, the key thing is the distance between your eyes, the angle of your cheekbones, the you know, the position between your nose and your mouth, that you understand the system has got to put front and center. And maybe this is linked to those settings. But that would explain trimming the edge of the photograph. As I'm it saying, maybe lopping off some of, some of the actual the hair. Actual edges of the hair, but not, not changing the style. Changing the, okay, the composition so, of the hair. So what did Home Affairs okay. say when you asked them about it? I had a bit of a battle reaching someone, but I, I did eventually... Um, and um, I run what we've just discussed. Is this, is it part of the whole biometric thing? Um, because my um, my concern was that peop- the biometrics companies, and we're going more into more uh, more and more into biometric verification of identity now. Yeah. Um, they refer to the Department of Home Affairs as the golden source. So if you need to now verify yourself with your image, you take a selfie. We're going to be doing this more and more, and you yeah. send it. It will be verified against your your Department of Home Affairs um, image, right? So okay. either your passport or your smart card or both. I'm not sure. So then, really important that it should be accurate. Yeah. yeah. So, um, I was told that by this uh, DHA spokesman that passport photos are subjected to far more intense scrutiny than ID photos, and thus had to be enhanced. His word to increase their clarity. But he assured me, hair 
doesn't affect identity verification because many of we humans change our hairstyles dramatically or even lose it completely in some cases. Um, it didn't quite answer the question. I did ask him. I didn't really get an answer of, well, why don't you just crop the existing hair then? Why? why I mean, you can it? imagine someone sitting with these photos and just, you know, drawing a circle. Around. It's, 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 it's maybe that is cropping to them. But I mean, anyway, it's as far as I could get. So I did then source um, a an opinion from Deline Deal of biometric company Secure Citizen, which works with the South African Fraud Prevention Service. I asked her the same questions and she said, strictly speaking, um, photographs used for uh, identification purposes should not be altered by any entity. She said, not even just the hair. She said, hair is a matter of personal choice, which is why something like this is so offensive. It's my right to change my hair any way I choose. I can make it blue if I want to, but someone else choosing how I look and without my permission or knowledge, that's invasive and just bad manners, to be honest, she said. But here's the critical part. From an identity verification perspective, she said, the technology caters for these sorts of aesthetic changes as we focus on features of the face, which are verifiable even through changes like aging, weight loss, weight gain. It's important for us to let the public know that changes to the hair by cropping the picture will not affect or even enhancing the <laughs> look of the hair, will not affect the efficacy of biometric face verification, which is why they're so big on don't try not to have hair on your forehead. They want to see as much of your actual face, face clear as, as possible. possible. Yeah. Deline said, my honest and personal opinion, though, that this warrants investigation into understanding whether this is a process is process issue or a training issue, either of which needs to be addressed, um, but it would clarify the extent of the problem. In other words, isn't there another way of doing it, just straight yeah. cropping without... I mean, several people asking, isn't it illegal to change somebody's image in that way? They're saying the answer is that they're not, they, they can't touch your, fe- your facial features because that is how you're identified. Everything else is surplus to requirements, but it doesn't then, to me, fully explain why they need to do that to your hair. I yeah. can understand, you know, how we do with our little fingers on our own smartphones, just, you know. Zoom in or zoom zooming out or in so that you yeah. So that more of your face fills, more hair, more faceless hair, but... But making it into a bonnet, uh, uh, to me, that doesn't... Maybe they think that looks better than just cropping the hair off, sort of, boof, you know. At the edge of the photo. At the edge of the photo. What, it could what, just be as simple as that. I mean, okay, so it's 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 not getting the offence. And obviously offence can be taken or ignored. But, but the fact that it is, it, it's a very personal decision how you wear your hair. And it's nobody else's right to dictate that or change it. But when he, oh, I'm laughing, Adam is saying, I'm bald. Do you think they would give me a toupee? <laughs> Somebody else saying, I wish they'd done that to my driver's photograph. A lot of people said, yeah. a lot of villagers said similar, similar things. things. So there was a lot yeah. of ha ha ha. But then also people saying, you know, we already can't travel to places on temporary, a temporary passport as we could in the past because you know, um, other so countries skepticism about our don't documents. trust because it's yeah. so much fraud. And and so how does the, the fact that there is some digital enhancement stroke manipulation going on, how is that going to sit? That surely won't improve our status in the world. But it it would seem, well, first of all, I've never heard from anybody who said that their passport wasn't, um, was that they weren't, they were denied entry into a country because of the funny hairstyle that DHA had imposed on them in their passport. I've okay. never had one of those. Um, I just think that 
communication for me is is everything. So if there should be more communication about it, I mean, I've Googled and I've seen their advice about how to, you know, f- how I think, to wear your hair for the photographs. Exactly. The Although they outcomes. take the photographs now, so that's to a large extent. You rude. know what really irritates me in all of this is Home Affairs services are so slow at the best of times. Now they're spending all this time. is supposed to be speeding <laughs> yes. up the process. If we now have somebody going to straighten our hair in the photographs, it's back to square one. I feel like I want to deliberately leave my hair in its natural wild state the next time I go in there, Wendy, just to see what happens. <laughs> well, I've, I'm a straight-haired one, so I've never had that happen to me, and so oh. it was an issue that was completely I had never heard it before so it's always good when you've been doing this for so long to get a new issue to to, To to, to grapple with anyway look the main thing is that it's not going to impact on biometric verification of your face but on a more serious note I mean I I thought as I was prepping for the show today Wendy I wonder if any of our listeners have had the difficulty of traveling with a passport photo that doesn't look like them anymore and I asked that because I had such a clear memory this morning of going traveling on a school choir tour when I was 14 and it was in those days when child passports lasted years. for 10 years. So yeah. my child passport had been issued when I was five. And my uh, the photo in that passport was of chubby-cheeked, fat-faced, little curly five-year-old me. You want to try changing traveler's checks and HM records <laughs> with that photograph when you're a pimply 14-year-old? It's but interesting because issues. maybe the, the, the biometric scanners, whatever, at um, immigration were able to say, oh, okay, this 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 chubby four-year-old it's the same because that's what the technology does but a different story if you're just trying to cash a traveler's check or you know do something else yeah um outside of that environment all over england there you go anyway i'd be really interested to hear if listeners have been through this i mean look that was before the days of before 9-11 before the huge airport security clamped down now so um but i would be interested to hear from anybody who has struggled with the the problem of having a passport photo that doesn't look a lot like you um and and whether it's caused grief for you on your travels you can pop us a voice note to 0725671567 join the conversation email pippa h at capetalk.co.za but before we go to open line calls wendy a quick update on the gizu power bank uh, story and just a very brief reminder to listeners that uh, these power banks a lot of people have been using in their homes to to counteract the impact of load shedding and uh, there was a particular batch which was suspected of having a fault that was causing overheating which was a fire risk they yep. recalled the batch and promised everybody that they would get either a full refund or a replacement with a new model um and then there were delays in getting the shipment of that new stock into south africa but and they were fine NRCS insisted on doing their own tests, which is a good thing, yes, and that delayed it by a few more weeks. So finally, the stock was released and people started getting their replacements. But then we got some troubling feedback from a listener that it didn't go quite as smoothly for, Wendy. Yes, just a few days ago, we heard from Anne Oliver, who said, we finally got our new Gizu, but only after getting a refund from Take-A-Lot and ordering a new one. We specifically asked for a replacement, not a refund. Also, the new Gizoo costs about 400 Rand more, which we then had to pay before securing the purchase. My understanding was that all Gizoos would be replaced at no extra cost to the buyer. Anyway, we are glad to have it and watch TV every night, but it really does leave Take a Lot in a bad light. And not okay, because that was specifically what they told us on air several times was not the way it was meant to happen. Wendy, the assurance was customers were not going to be left out of pocket. And legally, that's yeah. position. Okay, um, so you took it up again with Syntec Distribution. I, I took it yeah. up with Ryan Martin, who, who um, heads up Syntec Distribution, the local supplier. He said that um, what happened was Takelot had credited affected customers as they didn't have stock in hand to replace them. Um, the, the company had discussed the shortfall with Takelot and was told that affected 
affected customers would not have to pay any more for their replacements. He said, I will be happy to assist Anne or any other customers to ensure that they are not out of pocket and either receive credits if they've already purchased re- replacements. Sorry, um, that something's left out there, okay. but yes. Um, um, my point is you shouldn't have to accept a credit. If you want a refund, you should get a refund. Money in and the bank, yeah. Just, they'll automatically want a credit for obvious reasons. Anyway, um, Take A Lot has since undertaken to credit or refund any customers who bought the replacement at a higher price. If you're among them, it's quite a simple email for you to send your your request to. It is takealotgroupcoms, coms spelled C-O-M-M-S, takealotgroupcoms at takealot.com. And uh, by the way, um, Ryan told me that um, and does have that 400 rand credit reflecting on her Take A Lot profile. If she wanted to have that converted to a refund, she, she would could. be able to do that. Okay, so if you're in the same boat that you accepted the refund and then found that when you bought the replacement, you were charged the extra 400 rand, you have the right to ask for that 400 rand back. Email again, it's takealotgroupcoms at takealot.com. And thanks for flagging the uh, discrepancy there so we could follow up again. And let's hope that will be the final chapter in the Gizu story. Right, before we take a short break, we've got a couple of voice notes that have come in in response to the questions around passport photographs, uh, etc. And I think particularly responding to your comment, Wendy, that, you know, what we want is a passport that can be trusted around the world that authorities will accept without questioning. Let's take a listen. Hi, Irene. I haven't had that much of a problem with my photo as I've had with our surname spelt because in Greek it is spelt with a U and in English it's spelt with an S. So when I travel, I travel on my South African passport, which gives it to me as an S. And then when I travel on my European passport, it gives it as a U. So when I land up going to the States, I land up having to produce all my passports, all my IDs, so I can prove I'm the same person. Hi, um, Pippa and Wendy. What I'd love to know is what happens when nations you take uh, passport tampering and stuff like that seriously find out that South African Home Affairs have somebody who wasn't good enough to get their perfect job in graphic design messing around with photoshop on the on the country's passports and badly so as well i mean i'm sorry we have tweeted the photographs of Anne, and if you look at it i mean wendy at my first thought when i saw them was it looks like somebody cut a circle around her face and pasted it into exactly. the photo but actually it's worse than that because you can clearly see when you look at them side by side that they've gone and filled in and sort of thickened out the it's hair. a lot of work it's a lot of work there. it's a lot of touching up her that's curls gone were on. Quite, quite loose and then she's got like a dense bonnet of hair she's got a bad 1980s perm yes. is what she's got she has. in the photograph not in the original for the record so it is disturbing <laughs> and yes I mean it, it can, we can laugh at it but that person makes a very valid point Wendy that if absolutely th- this is yet another thing that gives people reason to doubt the validity and believability of our passports, which is the very last thing that we want. It's, it's a nuanced problem. As I say, you yeah. might not be barred because they're looking at your facial features, not your hair, but just the just the actual act of of, of enhancing stroke, manipulating your original image is, is can, can never be a good thing. Can never be okay. And, you know, the, just the potential for the delays it can cause if they're looking, okay, all's fine with the facial features, but there's something obviously wrong with this photograph would give me pause to say, 
keep this person back and subject them to extra checks and there's an hour standing in the queue exactly. at Heathrow you didn't have to do before. Uh, yeah, okay, so it might be funny, but it's got a quite serious undertone to it. We're going to take a very short break. When we're back, we'll update you on the listener who was bumped out of her premium seat and not refunded for the difference uh, that she'd paid. That has taken another turn. And then we'll make some space for your open line calls. Consumer Talk. Open line. Call 021-446-0567. Anne has just WhatsApp to say we're in stitches about the bad 1980s perm <laughs> reference. Sorry, Anne. Uh, sorry, Anne. <laughs> At least it wasn't your actual hair. <laughs> but a very interesting comment from Mandy on Twitter saying this isn't hair straightening. In graphic design terms, this is a very, 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 very bad deep etch, i.e. someone who doesn't know how to cut around the shape of the hair to separate it from the background. That's interesting insight, Mandy. Thank you. Te- okay. gl- grateful for the, the technical, technical explanation. Term. Actually, yes. from my many years in newspapers, I should have known that term as, as well, the deep etch. The deep etch. Okay. And you've been deep etched badly. I'm so sorry, but thanks for, for being willing to share the outcome with us. All right. A quick update before we go to open line, Wendy, on Patricia's case. And I'm just going to try and paraphrase for listeners to jog your memory. Patricia is the listener who we, we chatted about several weeks ago. She's 80 years old. She traveled to London last July. She'd had a double hip replacement. So she committed the extra money to booking herself a premium economy class ticket with British Airways because she knew she wanted the extra leg room, the extra seats place for comfort on her flights. And it all went fine on the way there. But on the way back, when she arrived at the airport to check in, she was told, sorry, that seat has been sold and you've got to travel in cattle class with everybody else. Standard economy, I think they call it. And that was bad enough that an 80-year-old woman then had to endure the discomfort she'd been hoping to avoid of that flight home. But what really rubbed salt into the wound was that they then didn't want to refund her for the difference she'd she paid. Well, yeah, she, she, she paid a premium price for a premium seat. Yes. And she got a standard seat. No one mentioned it to her. She yeah. then raised it with um, the Constantia branch of Flight Centre, uh, which had done her booking. And um, I think the person that she dealt with um, was then on leave or away or anyway, long story short, when I took up the case, Flight Centre uh, head office said that there was no record of, of any approach by her. Um, long story short, they said, we'd, we'll take it up with British Airways. British Airways came back and said, well, all our records show that she travelled both legs in premium economy, which of course en- enraged uh, Patricia as it would anyone. Yep. And, and she didn't have a boarding pass. And I thought, this is the end of that. And then... Oh gosh, how happy were we when she got back to me to say, "Actually, I've just found she it." Found Eureka moment, pass and in so the bottom of the handbag, or wherever it was. And then yeah. uh, flight center said, "They'll they'll take it up." Because I had then discovered, I went, oh, I had an aha moment that um, if you travel um, into out of an uh, EU com- country, they have um, very generous compensation policies. So in Patricia's case. Want. Yes, if you are bounced as she was, um, they call it um, bumped. And um, it was 75% of the leg. And Flight Centre was willing to take it up, but British Airways rules, it had to be done directly with them, which is so much harder. Yeah. And one of the things you'd think going through a travel agency would spare you, but not in, in, this, not case. in this case. And so th- they said, right, yes, it, it'll happen. She did it all herself. And um, on it went and on it went. And... She got her money. I, I think it took it took it took a long many weeks, and then she let me know it was nine hundred nine thousand. Sorry, nine thousand one hundred and sixteen rand. Um, she said there was it was taking a lot, uh, there were a lot of delays. Eventually, I said this is last week. If they did not deposit the funds by the end of business on Friday, I was going back to you 
for you to deal with them. That worked a charm. Within a day, the money was in my bank account. Many thanks. So, so I nice. mean, it's 9,000 rand she wouldn't otherwise have got. She just wanted a refund, and I just happened to remember this EU thing. So it's a good thing to know if it happens to you flying into or out of an EU airport. Um, the by law, the the airline has to have that compensation in the in the in the policies. Into policies. Yeah. Okay. So she so, got more than just the difference between the, oh, the yes. seat she paid for and the seat she oh, travelled yes. in. She got a refund of a substantial percentage of the whole fare, which is great. But the fact remains, she should not have had to go through all of those hoops and jumps, especially not at eighty years old. No. To I get think, that money back. I think yeah. the compensation is very much done, and not just one airline but a lot of them on a you don't ask you don't get yes so you always ask yeah always ask is the bottom line okay thank you for letting us know patricia i'm sorry it took so long but i'm really glad it was finally resolved now wendy um this one we can dispense with fairly quickly i think um uh and it goes back to the good old replace repair refund story please Uh could you ask wendy to confirm again that the consumer protection act states that a consumer can insist on a replacement of an item if they want it. I have a battery on my solar system and my installer says the company will only repair and not replace. It all depends on whether the item is faulty or not, doesn't it, Wendy? Absolutely. Okay. But if it's re- if you're saying that they want to repair, that suggests that it is it faulty. Is faulty. Yeah. And it needs to be within the uh, six months of um, Purchase. installation in this case. Okay, installation. Um, right. Or delivery. But um, assuming that it is... Uh, yes, he can insist on on replacement. What's cropping up, and I'm trying to engage with a major retailer who's got the my spokesman's got his hands tied up with something, it hasn't come back to me, but I must push it again. Is that is I'm getting feedback from people with batteries in gates and alarm systems and yeah. the like, where they are failing within the six month period and being told, oh no, it's only three months now because of load shedding. Yeah, and and I don't know if we've had this discussion, but but my point is then. The Consumer Protection Act doesn't exclude these things. It it it's what the what the manufacturers or suppliers are saying. This is not normal um, trading conditions. Such, it's not yeah. normal use, yeah. which gives them an out. But in South Africa, it actually is normal use now. Mm. So and the CPA says whatever you sell must give the purchaser, the consumer, at least six months of good use. Okay, they must get their money's worth. It must work as it's supposed to for six months. So maybe selling batteries that are only going to last three months under our current normal. And, only, and and likely yeah. to only get worse, you shouldn't be doing it. It's like you can't sell cheap and nasty Chinese shoe that's going to break on the second time you wear it because the customer know, has the right. That's to what the, that's yes. what Section yeah. fifty six is about. You need to get at least six months use out of whatever you've bought. So it's a conversation that I'm going to be starting to have because mm. those lower voltage, you know, me and technical things, yes. but maybe. Should you be selling them if they're not fit for under purpose stage in the four market. to six on yeah. a regular daily basis? They're going to last you only three months. That you know you can't say it's not normal use because under our circumstances, the it consumer is. has got no choice. The consumer is not abusing. It's the it's normal now for South Africa. So you see what load shedding is throwing up all these. So I hope very soon. Um, to be able to discuss that in more detail with um, responses from the regulators as well as the suppliers. Okay, would love to do that. Thank you very much, Wendy. Okay, and to the person who said that, I hope that that helps. So, assuming that it is a faulty battery, which we assume from your your description it is, you have the right if it's within six months to yep. to, to choose a repair, a replacement, or a refund. Your choice, not theirs. Thanks for that. Okay, 0725671567 is the email to use if you want to send through a query. Uh, in the meantime, let's take a listen to another voice note that's come through. Hi, Wendy and Pippa. 
I've just got in on the last bit of passports uh, and I'm not sure if this is relevant. I seem to be having a problem with my fingerprints. Having renewed my driver's license a few weeks ago, they could not pick up my fingerprints at all. And um, not too sure what to do with the entry and exit of the country that is implementing a fingerprint machine. I wonder if somebody can shed some light on that. It's Jenny here. Thank you. Hi, Jenny. Um, yes, this is a problem. Um, we we literally wear out our fingerprints. Um, as we get older. As yeah. we get older. I remember uh, my, my dad who passed away recently, he, he had for years, he was in his 90s, and for years his um, smart card and I, I don't I can't remember his passport, but certainly his, his, his smart card ID um, had no fin- fingerprints mm. on, it, written and on it, it, written on it, in which case they must um, do other forms of biometric text. Uh, d- uh, verification, which include your your face, so you, you, they cannot um, prejudice, you know, millions and millions of people who've reached a certain age, um, which and also people, sorry, who've had accidents with, you know, burns and whatever with their th- with their thumbs and index fingers or whatever. They also don't have fingerprints, and so they uh, and we are moving into an age, as I said earlier, where biometric verification is really going to become huge so it's going to be not just our fingerprints but our faces and our voices uh, as well <laughs> so I w- don't worry about it you, you there cannot be a situation where you are prejudiced you are because denied of that. entry because yeah. of that okay yeah. it's the our voices part of that comment that terrifies me Wendy knowing what AI can do with voices mm. Mm. okay mm. Right, we've got five minutes in hand. There is enough time to tackle another open line question. If you'd like to ask one, you can send a voice note or a text to 0725671567. You're also willing, uh, welcome to phone us on 0214460567. Very nice to get a consumer shout out for once. And let me just quickly share this before we take the next voice note. Comes from somebody who, uh, let me sorry, just updated. Let's find it again. A shout out to Cape Union Mart for replacing a pair of Merrill shoes that tore after six and a half months and some heavy use, says V. That's very good. That's so they very didn't, good. They weren't obliged to do that because you were outside of the six-month uh, period and you you admit that they'd been subjected to very heavy use. That's I think wonderful. that's remarkable. It is remarkable. And I have to say I hear that a lot um, from Cape Union Mart customers. Okay. Um, they are very customer-centric when it comes to returns. And strictly speaking, especially as they acknowledge heavy use, but yeah. I mean, those kind of shoes really are designed for heavy use. Yes. But um, especially the fact that it was, you know, just over that six-month limit, most retailers, I can tell you, right would have now, said, no. said yes. sorry. Um, so that's lovely to hear. Well done. Thank Cape you for taking not. the time to tell us as well. Right, let's take a listen to that voice note. Uh, Wendy and Pippa. Um, regarding the the battery comment and six months of usage and they mm. shouldn't be selling them uh, look the reality is with low chain in South Africa a normal lead acid 12 volt battery that you're putting into a UPS or alarm system etc is not meant to run in those conditions um, you should be putting in a lithium iron or something to that effect that will handle the constant load shedding and not pack up in six months mm. it's not a function of honestly the the the, um, the load shedding it is the type of battery it is the chemical makeup and the very nature of the battery that um, is not conducive to constant discharge um, and and large depth of discharge and then um, uh, a cycle to charge it up very quickly and then back down again it's not designed for that um, so it's not really the suppliers issue it's 
lekker spirit is waar jy bly in Eskom. I hear that, but I think it is a supply issue because you've got to supply for the market. And this is unfortunately our, our, our prevailing conditions. So if you know that the normal battery, what do you say, 12 volt is not going to do the job for six months, then it's beholden upon you not to supply that and to say to your customer, look, this is going to, I've got to go lithium iron here and it's going to cost this much. But otherwise, it, it can't carry a six-month warranty because under the present load-shedding schedules that we're being subjected to, there is no way it's going to last six months. So again, communication, disclosure, yeah. all those sorts of things that I'm most definitely going to be engaging with either the Consumer Commission or the Consumer Goods and Services Ombudsman because I'm going to, I can see these complaints starting to become Flooding a bit of a in. flood. Mm. Mm. I mean, it's it's coming down to that phrase you always use, Wendy, that it's, it's being sold when it's not fit for purpose any no. longer. It might have been under previous conditions, but it is no longer. And it's no good so saying, well, to go to ESCOM. It's no, if you know it's not going to, to last, you, you've got to advise the customer to buy a different product. Yeah, or, yeah. I mean, I was going to say, get them to agree to some kind of a warranty only three months, but you can't contract outside of the law. You so can't contract out of the CPA, yeah. No, yeah. so that's not an option. Okay. Uh, right. I think we can squeeze in one last voice note before we're out of time. Let's take a listen. Hi Wendy, um, I recently bought a refurbished computer for a young chap in Kailicha who's studying. Um, I paid six and a half thousand rand for it. I dropped it off um, at, um, at him in Kailicha and a few days later he let me know that he basically wasn't working at all. He hadn't got it to work. Um, might be the battery i'm not sure <laughs> it took quite a few days to get to get him to come from kailicha to weinberg and then i had to go to montague gardens to drop it off but basically um i've been told that if um if it's a battery situation i had 11 days to um replace uh, to return the computer and that they may not um, refund me for well, they're definitely not going to refund me with a new com- with another computer. I just basically wanted my money back um, because I wasn't happy, and they just said, "No, you've got to bring it back, and we'll see." And that's where I'm mm. sitting. It just feels a bit unfair. It is a bit unfair, and it's, it's also illegal. a bit illegal. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so the eleven days thing is just rubbish. It fascinates me how suppliers. I'm dealing with one in the mo- at the moment on behalf of a of a of a Capetonian. Um, an auto parts uh, case where they introduced their own terms and conditions and said, we've been doing that for 25 years, so that's it. And I said, well, yeah, for 12 years of those 25 years, there's been the Consumer Protection Act making that illegal. So, yes, you are entitled to your choice of a replacement repair or refund in the in the event of something going wrong so, uh, within six months. Um, the bit about they're going to send it off, that isn't strictly in the Act, but the reg- legislators, or the more, like, more to the point, the regulators have said that retailers are entitled to send products off for technical assessment with a supplier to rule out user abuse. When you said you dropped the laptop, I thought you, and then you <laughs> dropped off the laptop. So in other words, we do as human beings make mistakes with our things and that cause them to malfunction. That's not 
fairly ascribed to being a, a defect. So, yes, they can send it off. What they cannot do is unilaterally repair it if you've said, actually, the, the recourse that I want is a is a refund, please. So please keep us posted on that one. I'll, I'd be happy to try and help if they won't give you your rights there. Okay, thanks for that, Wendy. Well, let's finish with going back to where we started in the passport photos with a WhatsApp saying, Pippa, if you look like your passport photo, you are not well enough to travel anyway. <laughs> okay. Thanks for the humour, Wendy. Thanks for picking up on that interesting topic. And uh, thanks, as always, for the work you do on behalf of our listeners. And we'll chat again next week, Wednesday. (laughs) Will do. Thanks, Pippa.